Welcome to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. I'm Kev Jackson. A couple of great guests today to talk ice fishing. Jason Durham from Go Fish Guide Service and Garrett Spear from Slab Seeker Guide Service. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages, your Anheuser-Busch distributor in Paul Bunyan Country, Ace on the Lake on Lake Bemidji South Shore, Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes, Pepsi and I Bottling of Bemidji, Timberline Sport and Convenience in Black Duck, and Clear Brook Electric. We'll check in with Garrett Spear later, but up first, checking in with Jason Durham from Go Fish Guide Service over in the Park Rapids Nevis area. Jason, welcome back. Great to have you on the show again. It's great to be on the show, Kev. I survived the cold snap. I'm not frozen. Oh, man. Well, and, and you were probably out uh, in the elements far more than I was, so uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the advantages today is that we have such advanced gear that even if you're fishing the open ice, which I did some, uh, you've got the gear to keep you warm. You just have to scoop out the hole a little more often. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fact. So, what are some of the uh, things that you like as far as the, the the types of clothing that we have out there now that keeps you warm? Oh man, you know the the ice suits, for instance. You know, I use the uh, ice armor, the the suits made by Clam, and I I use the extreme suit, which is really nice because it's got this uh, insulated liner on on the jacket and through the bibs. It's, it's insulated with down, so we all know the insulative properties that that keep you so warm with down jackets but then having an outer shell that's windproof waterproof um and as we start to get into warmer weather which isn't that far off i can take those liners out and now i use it like a light weather jacket or a or more moderate i would say if you talk to people from other areas of the country uh, <laughs> that are used to warm weather and they say Oh, oh, do I need to wear warm clothes? And we're saying, well, we're wearing our our light suits because it's thirty. You know, and they're going, this is insane. Um, but you know, that's what I really, really love. And then, of course, gloves. Gloves mm-hmm. are a huge thing. And I, I'm I'm a pansy when it comes to keeping my hands warm. And and some people say, well, you have to hold your rod without gloves on to to feel the bite and everything. There's times where I'll be wearing very very thick mitts and yeah. it's not the ideal situation for even holding a rod <laughs> but it keeps your hands warm mitts are typically warmer than gloves so and of course good thick insulated boots you know your extremities your feet and hands those are the first to go but you got to be really careful about just the whole hypothermia part of it too and your lake travel when it's this cold i mean if you get hung up in a snowbank you need to be able to get off the lake safely with, without getting in a really hairy situation. But at the same time, I don't want to deter anybody from going. But I feel like that's pretty much behind us now, Kev, because we're looking at some really nice temperatures coming up where people are going to be heading to the lake like crazy. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, like, like somebody was telling me, yeah, we hit 10 degrees above people. We'd be wearing shorts around here. So, yeah, if we get above zero, people are going to take advantage. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I uh, last weekend I, I actually made a trip out to Green Bay and went to a boat show. And when I left here, it was 36 below zero. And when I got to Green Bay, which a lot of people think is a very, very cold place, it was eight degrees above. And I thought, wow, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is walking weather, man. It is highly tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to fishing, I mean, 
Uh, with the big uh, covering of ice on, on most lakes here, I can't imagine that cold weather affects the fish that much. It's more the angler. Well, yes and no. And okay. I'm glad you brought that up because people do, when they, when they head out and are fishing in these drastic cold fronts, you do see it influence the fish some. Um, but typically, it's on the front end of it. Uh, weather change, we talk about it in open water a ton consistency is key and that's true in the winter too it's not necessarily the cold or the warm-ups it's having consistency in the weather that really influences that fish behavior so as we got a few days into this extreme cold those fish actually started to bite better and we saw activity pick up Um, but we are at one of those periods of time during the winter uh, where it seems like just overall uh, things start to slow down a little bit but I think part of that reason, too, is that there's fewer anglers out on the ice. If you compare right now to what we were experiencing over Christmas and New Year's and that time frame, where it's some of the busiest out on our bodies of water, uh, you're not hearing as many reports either. So that's one part of it. And it was probably busier this year than, than many years in the past for kind of the same reason we saw uh, uh, soft water fishing so strong this year. Uh, COVID had shut down a lot of sports. There wasn't a lot going on. Gave people the opportunity to get out there. Now we got sports going again. School's back in session, and uh, there's fewer anglers. I totally agree. One of the advantage though advantages of this year though is that I I feel like there's well maintained plow plowed roads on many lakes where there typically wouldn't be, just because so many people want to get out and put their fish houses out there and. And some of those have drifted in now, you know, with fewer anglers, but they're still there. There's still these banks and berms that are etching a path for you to get out there and providing access to a lot of anglers. Okay. Uh, so what seems to be working the best that you're hearing and experiencing? You know, the one thing, I, I you know, panfish are always hugely popular in this area. And typically this time of year, you're hearing more about the deeper basin bites than you are about the shallow water bites. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't catch fish up in in weedy areas. And there are weeds that are still green and are still growing. It's all about the light penetration. Uh, But a lot of weeds aren't providing quite as good a cover for those fish. Um, But you can still have some really good action. I always like, you know, looking for some of those bigger game fish like pike up in the shallower water. And they're not going to venture far from food, so uh, there are going to be panfish up there. But it's much more common to find, like, crappies, for instance, suspended out on these muddy bottom, soft bottom basin areas. And your uh, window of activity, in many cases, is shortened towards that, you know, sun-up, sundown area, but not always. Don't discount going out in the middle of the day because there's many times that you can just catch fish all day long. Um I should mention, though, when that happens, when you have a bite that is consistent throughout the day and on lakes that have such clear water, it's very common that when you hit that prime time, the activity actually decreases. And so you don't have that twilight, hot time to be out there. That's not actually your best time. But the only way you're going to figure any of that out, Kev, is to actually go out and fish. Well, absolutely. Of course, that's that is the way to do it. And um, uh, certainly, the the trick is, of course, finding the time to do it. And uh, as many anglers have told me over the years, the best time to fish is when you can. I totally agree with that. 
people have asked about salooner tables and moon phases and all of that. If you're planning a big trip, sure, you know, that's something you can bank upon uh, or at least use as an excuse to go during a cer- certain time frame. But for myself, I go absolutely any chance that I have free. And, you know, even if you go to the prime time of the salooner tables, you're not going to catch any fish if you're not on fish. So you have to go back to that basic idea of you have to find the fish first and then get them to bite. Okay. Um, any particular lakes over in your neck of the woods that are really well known for ice fishing, or is it just a, any lake that has f- fish? Well, there in the winter, a lot of it um, comes back to access. You, you know, you might have one of these backcountry lakes that is awesome, like let's say up in the Paul Bunyan State Forest that you love to go to and it's very quiet, probably doesn't even have a house on it. But you might not be able to get back to that lake in the winter unless you're using a snowmobile and going quite a ways. Um, and even when you get to the lakes, we've been so fortunate this year. Lake travel has been really easy in the Park Rapids area, and I know it is up in Bemidji too, where you can drive just about anywhere. The ice is thick enough. The, the snow is minimal enough. And actually this cold snap wasn't unwelcome because those areas, those pockets of slush have have really solidified well. So, um, you know, anglers that come to our area a lot of times are looking at these chains of lakes, like the crowing chain or the man trap chain, and you've got so many different options on those, whether you want to chase panfish or walleyes, which season, you know, for the walleyes in the northern pike and catching bass, you know, is going to be wrapping up here really quick. Um, and that makes me think of one reminder to the anglers listening. Not very long, and you guys have to get a new fishing license, too. So don't forget about that. <laughs> We've got a lot more with Jason Durham to come, but up next, we're going to head down to Ottertail County and find out about hard water pan fishing. Garrett Spear of Slab Seeker Guide Service joins me next. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Welcome back to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We're checking back in with Garrett Spear of uh, Slab Seeker Guide Service down in the Ottertail County area. And Garrett, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit about uh, Slab Seeker Guide Service, what what you're uh, doing out there, and what your specialty is, and, and how it all came to be. Uh, most people call me to catch big panfish at Ottertail County where I uh, work and, and uh, take people out. It's known as Panfish Paradise. And in Fisherman rated us years ago uh, in the top 10 places in the country to catch trophy bluegills. And so we've got, uh, you know, just some incredible pan fishing opportunities. 1,048 lakes in the county. Most of them, you know, those bass panfish style lakes, not as deep and clear and rocky as what you guys have up north. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, really good habitat to grow big panfish. You know, a lot of them have that heavy nutrient load um, and kind of some of those characteristics where a fish can go really big. They're really old fish up here. Um, in fishermen termed them northern giants. The <laughs> northern bluegills only grow one inch a year up here. So they're, they're really old fish. But, you know, as bluegills, when they grow really slowly, they live to a longer age. And so, uh, you know, some, some pretty incredible size fish that we catch up here. You know, every year I have a couple of customers catching over 11 inches long. Wow. You know, we're so walleye-oriented in this state, and certainly up here there's a lot of great walleye lakes. Um, it, you know, you don't think about it, somebody who can just find that niche and be a panfish guy, but you've done it. For sure. You know, I was, you know, they're 
it's kind of the first one in the state of Minnesota that really focused on panfish. Uh, my business has been around for about 10 years, and and uh, I've been working it, you know, on a full-time basis for about the past seven. But now there's several others that have popped up since then, and it's good to see. I mean, uh, there's, uh, you know, several others, in, even in Ottertail County, that have kind of popped up. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a growing thing. More people are coming to Minnesota to catch giant panfish. And we have some good things going for a panfish. I know you and I talked about this a little bit before when you had me on the show, but I'm a member of the DNR uh, Panfish Work Group or a citizen advisory group helping the DNR kind of decide how to manage our state's panfish. And for years, we've been working on kind of trying to protect some of these special fish and just lower the limits of Minnesota on some certain lakes so we can uh, have these fish around for the future and our kids can go and, and chase trophy panfish if that's something they're passionate about. Yeah, and we've, we've had some success. The DNR originally shot us down on a statewide reduction limit, and what we were looking at was doing something like 10 or 15 bluegills statewide to more kind of mimic what we're doing with crappies and they uh they didn't they didn't think that was going to fly with public support. So what we opted to do was do uh, something called the Quality Bluegill Initiative. It just focused on those lakes that kind of need some help. Those lakes that maybe had the potential and the genetics to grow giant bluegills, but um, haven't been recently. Or lakes that you know have been known to produce these giant fish and you know are continuing to fish you know fish well, but the numbers have, have went down with those big fish. And so you know every area manager kind of went through and submitted a list of these lakes that could use some help and there was two different regulations in the toolkit there was a five fish limit and that's kind of the size maintained and what the data has shown that with the five fish limit it'll actually increase the average size of your bluegills in the lake by around 0.8 inches so you're going to start to see some bigger sizes on those lakes the five fish limit and then the 10 fish limit which is kind of the size maintainer for those lakes where People are already probably catching some giant bluegills, but you don't want to see the size start declining from too much harvest. Um, and when you see that regulation, the data has really shown that that will kind of maintain that great average size. So we have those two things in our toolkit, and uh, we're going to see, you know, in the county I'm in, we're going to see, off the top of my head, I think it's 17 or maybe it's 18 lakes in Ottertail County that are going to have those special regulations. And I'm pretty excited about it. Just uh you know, sustainability for the future so I can continue to do this and my son can continue to do this hopefully someday. So tell me a little bit about the process that that all you went through and how long it took. Oh, this is something that we've been working on with for, for years. One thing, you know, in dealing with, I have a whole new respect for these these uh, people that, that do stuff at the DNR now too because there's a, there's a lot of different stakeholders that they need to uh, to kind of work for. You know, there's resort owners who may want one thing, and they, you know, there's you know, in the group we had really diverse opinions. There's even certain resort owners who wanted one thing, and certain ones who who wanted the other thing. Um, there's fishing guides who want one thing. There's recreational anglers that are kind of all across the board. You know, some people want to take their kids out; they don't get to fish very often. So, a lot of harvest is important to them. There's people that fish a lot and don't need to keep a bunch of fish every time they go. So, harvest is less important to them. And there's, there's just so many groups of people that. You know, and these are everybody's resources in Minnesota. And so the DNR really has a lot of, and it's tricky. You know, you can't make quick decisions on this stuff. Um, you know, and at first getting into this, I thought, well, we, we just make good science-based decisions. You know, let's follow the science. But there's there's a lot more to it than just than just good fish management science. Uh, and, and, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions that they should be taken into account as well. But. Okay. I think we finally found something with this quality bluegill initiative that is going to keep a lot of people happy. You know, if you look at the number of lakes on this thing, it's a pretty small number. Um, and so there's still, what did we figure, uh, you know, 
11,000 lakes in Minnesota where you can harvest a full limit of bluegills. Just setting a, a handful of lakes essentially aside to, to be able to chase bigger trophy quality fish. So when you were talking about following the science and then having to deal with lots of opinions, I couldn't tell if you were talking about the Bluegill Initiative or COVID-19. And I never realized it. You know, now I have a new soft spot for the DNR. Uh, Sure. And I used to be one to really, I I wouldn't say I was really vocal, but, you know, I would hop on Facebook once in a while and say, like, oh, you know, the the DNR needs to do a better job of management. And and, uh, I I can say with all all respect, I, I will never do that. <laughs> Personally, they have a they have a pretty tough job, and, and these guys want the best for our fisheries. They, in, in working with them through this advisory group, I, I really understand that now that you know they don't sit in an office uh, a thousand miles away and cram these decisions. It, these guys are out there like us. They love to fish. They take their families fishing. They're passionate anglers, um, and they they want the best for our waters. They want to follow sound science based fisheries management. Uh, but it's just—it's not always that easy. There's so many other things that come into play when you start uh, start talking about, you know, implementing new regulations. Yeah, and worth noting, these new regulations uh, for those specific lakes go into effect March first. March first. So it's—it's it's not that far away now. It, it really isn't. <laughs> you know, and if you look at one one lake up by you, and I think we talked about this before, but one lake up by you, and not to put a target on this. Uh, the, my buddies at Bemidji are going to hate for you. <laughs> uh, like, Pamush is a cool example to look at because it's had every regulation available for bluegills in the state of Minnesota. It was, uh, you know, a lake that allowed a lot of harvest before the limit was changed to 20 fish. It went to 20 fish. It went to 10 fish. And now it's at 5 fish. And you kind of have data you can follow, um, you know, over the years, over a long span of time. And, and look at what's happened to the fish with those numbers. So if anybody's really curious about the science, you know, take a look at, you know, go to the DNR Lake Finder website and take a look at Pamoosh Lake. It's just a real interesting example. And you'll probably want to go fish it, too, after that. There's there's some big bluegills out there. That, uh, yeah, don't worry about your friends being mad, mad at you. I've been talking about Pamoosh for years, so they're already mad at me. So They're already mad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that's one. Uh, I even made a trip up there. I don't get to fish in your area a whole bunch, but I even made a trip up there and stayed with for a couple of uh, couple of days with my wife a few years back and we chased some giant bluegills open that's that's a fun fun place so how is the uh, bite going on down there right now it's been good um you know we've been a little limited as to what we can do i don't rent permanent fish houses mm-hmm. um, you know like sleeper fish houses wood fish houses um i just do run and gun portable trips and you know for a panfish guide service that's really the most effective way for me to operate these aren't really walleyes where we can set up and, and we can do a certain extent but or we can set up on a, you know, a main lake point or the edge of a reef that drops into the basin and, and put a wood fish out there and made for the magic hours of the day and we get a few fish topside. Uh, you know, people come and chase these and they want to be on consistent action all day, catching, you know, multiple sizes of fish typically and, and sorting some fish to get into one of those big trophy caliber otter tail county fish. Well, it's been a little tough to do with this cold snap to keep keep punching holes yeah. and people around. Especially if they're not from Minnesota and they don't ice fish a lot. They don't always come with the, the gear that a lot of us have, you know, the ice armor clam suits that'll keep you warm. But they come with, you know, kind of limited gear, too, sometimes. So we've been hunkering down a little bit more and fishing in, in hub houses, moving a little less and having to wait for the fish to kind of come to us, which has definitely cut down on the numbers we've been hooking the last couple of weeks. Still getting some nice fish topside, some trophy-sized fish, and 
people have been taking home, you know, plenty of fish to eat as well. But, you know, we're not having those 80, 90 fish days we were before this cold snap where you were literally windmilling fish most of the day. What uh, you, what do you like to use for ice fishing when it comes to pulling up some bluegills? Boy, my favorite jig is a Northland gill getter. Okay. My, packed with Euro larva. I use some plastics, but I'm a big bait guy. You know, I'm kind of criticized for using a lot of bait, but we use the Euro larva. It's helped us a lot, especially in this cold snap where the fish have been. You get a lot of lookers that'll come up and you get in those standoffs with them where they're on your flasher, they're on your vexilar, and they're kind of nose to nose with your jig and you're trying to keep a little movement on it, but not too much movement. And we've had a lot of those situations with this cold snap. The fish have just been, you know, with this cold weather comes a lot of high pressure, which essentially an easy way to think about it is kind of pushes down on their stomach and makes them feel like they're full. And so they're not, you know, super actively out gorging on food. But, but you can get, you know, a lot of fish to bite if you use those small jigs and in your larva. It has a good smell to it. You hook them by the blunt end and, there's like a little scent sack back there, which puts a lot of scent in the water and calls fishing and over to look at it. And, and you know, so live bait's been, been pretty critical for us, too. But, yeah, that's my favorite is a, a Northland gill-getter and a number 10 hook, black, red. There's been a big, uh, deb- well, I wouldn't say it's a big debate. I've had a few different opinions this winter uh, on augers. Some people really love the, the, you know, the new battery-powered augers. Others still like the, they feel it's a little bit firmer, stronger, and more sturdy with the, uh, you know, the gas-powered augers. Where are you at in the auger wars? You know, uh, I, I've got a gas auger that never leaves my truck all winter. I've got a, a four-stroke strike master that's just pretty reliable. And uh, when you get, you know, really thick ice like we're dealing with now, where it's, you know, over 20 inches of ice, I can cut as many holes as I need. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think customers kind of know I'm serious when I go back to the truck and put the K drill away, and then I get the gas auger out. They're like, "Oh wow, you serious? We're gonna we're gonna find them now." You know, and so when things slow down and I've exhausted all my batteries on the, you know, I've got a K drill with a Milwaukee fuel. You know, it's pretty serious when I go fire up the forest truck. Like now, we're gonna punch some holes because we're not limited to how many we can we can drill with batteries anymore. Yeah, well, a twenty inch. That's you know, that's that's a lot of ice to get through. That is. And that's kind of where we're at now. I mean, there's a ton of ice up here. Uh, you guys, too. I was in mm-hmm. the woods over the weekend. Um, as if I haven't been out enough in the cold. <laughs> I had this plan for a long time. I like to get my wife and son out on some fish, too. So I got a sleeper with uh, First City Guide Service out of Bemidji, Chad, in uh, on, on uh, Lake of the Woods. It was pretty luxurious deal. He's got brand-new ice castle, 2020 ice castle out there. Nice. So we had this plan since well before the cold, and... Uh, Got to spend Valentine's Day out there with my wife. So my, my wife caught one that was, boy, probably nine and a half pounds. We didn't weigh it. Wow. But it was about 28 and a half inches long. Great big girthy fish with a giant head. Wow. How was the bite overall, other than getting that big one? You know, the action was good. Tons of small saugers um, and small walleyes. And then, uh, you know, a few of those nice slot fish with photos coming through. So, so you, small walleyes and saugers to keep you, keep you busy yeah. and, and, and to have a fish fry. You know, that was... That was my goal when we were up there. I mean, obviously, you want a big photo fish always, too. But, um, my son and I were pretty happy just throwing fish in the bucket so we could have our big fish fry on Saturday night. <laughs> we accomplished that. We had a big uh, big fish fry with some of those bigger saugers and smaller walleyes. So your wife was fine for Valentine's weekend to go ice fishing? Yeah. <laughs> it's been excited about it for a while. Yeah, you know, I don't have an ice castle. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of fun to go out there and... Uh, you know, he had direct TV out there, and we had 
I think we had more channels out there than I have at home. So it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was nice. Brand new houses. You know, a little concerned about how the heat would work, but they had a good system. What they did is they put treble lights on the regulators, the propane uh, coming into the outside, and so it kept that warm through a blanket over there. So it kept that propane flowing and, you know, just kept putting gas in the generator. We, we stayed pretty warm the whole time. Do you, you understand how many guys listening to this right now are jealous that you can go ice fishing for Valentine's Day and that makes your wife happy? <laughs> it was perfect to a romantic fish Valentine's Day dinner, you know, on the ice. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and Lake of the Woods, man, that's just uh, an amazing fishery. I mean, yeah, obviously walleye saugers. But you got, you know, if you want something huge, you've got sturgeon, they got muskies, unbelievable bass bites up there. And I know, you know, it, it probably takes some work to find them, but I know there's crappies and, and bluegills up there, too. You know, what I was kind of surprised as to how high the walleyes were, if anybody said it up there, off the bottom. So the biggest walleyes we caught, those slotfish, were way up off the bottom, chasing huh. schools and minnows. Um, and, and conversely, the saugers were down there eating bugs out of the mud. In fact, you know, you'd get them up and they'd have bugs in their mouth a lot of times. But larvae, you know, they were... They were down to the mud eating, but the, the you know the schools of shiners would come through high. Like I'm talking, I caught a, a 21 inch or five feet off the bottom. Wow! So some of those fish are way up high. It seems like those schools of shiners. And you'd even see those come through on your on your flasher. And uh, if you'd see those shiners, you'd want to pull up and get your spoon way up high where you were seeing that bait. And those walleyes were way up there chasing. So I thought that was kind of kind of unique too. I don't know that I've spent a lot of time drinking walleyes five feet off the bottom. But if you go up to Lake of the Woods right now, I would, I would keep an eye on your electronics, and if you see anything going on up there, small flashes like schools of bait are coming through, definitely get up, you know, way up there. Buckshot rattle spoons were kind of the key for us. I did really good on the purple, purple smelt, and my wife did good on that UV pink, is what she caught most of her fish on. Macho minnows. You know, okay. I like the buckshot. I, I, I feel like even in the cold, they, you can kind of call one in, you know, just, you know, aggressive jigging until you get a fish on your your flasher and then just little pops in two days we probably had 60 some up there wow 60 some fish wow i kept you busy that's cool yeah if people are going to go out uh, and try to do some uh some ice fishing and are trying to find some um some bluegills or crappies uh where do they start where should they start on the standard lake right now well if there's any any remaining green weeds those are going to hold good bluegills still this late in the season now it's getting trickier and trickier to, to find those remaining green weeds there's there's less and less of them and, and we're getting to the point in the season where a lot of that stuff is is dying off but i've still got some some coontail beds that we're fishing in eight feet of water um, inside turns tend to hold your greenest weeds the longest because they're kind of protected in there from big fall winds that tend to kick down a lot of the weeds and on inside turns are going to be kind of protected in there so if you look at a map and find some inside turns, check those areas, and a camera is a really useful tool. You can stick down there and see the condition of it, and you can see what you know what there is for fish down there. Um, and we're having crappies in those same areas. We're also catching some nice perch in those areas. Otter Tail County is not known for giant perch, but I've sure had customers catch some dandy ones here in some of these lakes we've been on. We've had some that were, you know, 13, even a 14-incher. So... Uh, and those fish are kind of moving in the same areas on those green weeds. You can kind of catch everything. Some walleyes come through, some tulabees, you know, and so those areas are going to have the whole food chain, northerns, bass, obviously. And then those basin areas, too. Most of those crappies seem to be out in the basin areas. We're not catching as many crappies in the weeds as we were before. Most of those fish now have kind of pushed out into those holes. 
So if you were to look at a map of a lake, and you can kind of highlight some of those holes that are not really deep, like the 50-foot ones, those those 30-foot hole basin areas out there, that's an area you're going to want to go explore with, uh, you know, for crappies. And if you have a, a panoptics, that's kind of cheating. You can scan a, you know, you can scan a hundred feet in those basin areas, and the, the fish really stick out in your your Garmin panoptics. But otherwise, I didn't have that technology for years, and we just have to cut holes and, and move throughout and hop around with your flasher until you get on top of them. And if we want to come and discover um, Ottertail County, whether it be yet this winter or next uh, soft water season, how do we do that? How do we get signed up with Slab Seeker Guide Service? Uh, you can give me a call. My number is 320-428-5174. Or uh, you can go to my website. It's slabseekerfishing.com. We also have a Facebook page where I try to keep real current information, reports, fish pictures from customers. You can really see what we're doing and what we're catching. And that's uh, Slab Seeker Fishing at Facebook. Okay, Slab Seeker Fishing at Facebook and slabseekerfishing.com on the web. And what was the phone number again, Garrett? Uh, 320-428-5174. Right. Anything else before we wrap it up today? Boy, that uh, that should be about all. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We bet. Love talking to you. Garrett Sphere of Slab Seeker Guide Service down in Ottertail County knows his panfish for sure. Garrett, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck fishing. One more segment to go. We check back in with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service next. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Resuming my conversation with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service, we talk with Garrett Sevier about the Panfish Initiative. Now let's find out what Jason thinks. So excited about this because, uh, you know, really our limits in Minnesota are very liberal, and um, panfish, they get hit so hard. You know, you got both sides of the coin. There were some people say, well, they reproduce so quickly. Uh, they do, but really how many do you need to keep to eat? And I'm excited for some of these lakes. We don't have really any right uh, right in Park Rapids there that are going to be affected, but a couple to the west that I'm um, eager to see um, benefit mm-hmm. from these new regulations. And people are just going to have to be really careful because they do go into effect, you know, before we have a brand-new synopsis out and everything, or, or right when we have the brand-new synopsis out. So you, you need to look through it. And you can always go onto the DNR website and just look up the lake that you're going to and just know those regulations. You can stop at the uh, public access and see those signs. But in the winter, some of these public accesses or lake accesses aren't the one you typically use in the summer. So you might not have that same signage at every entry point. So just be diligent about making sure that you're legal so you don't get a ticket for something you didn't intentionally try to do. Exactly. Very good point. And, we, you know, we've got a few lakes here that have already uh, put those uh, regulations in place. Um, Pymoosh is one in our neck of the woods. Uh, Black Duck actually has done it as well, and I think Gull. And we've seen uh, tremendous success. So um, we know that, that this can work. Exactly. And, you know, for people that are against it, um, you know, if we really wanted to be the most diligent about protecting the fish and everything we wouldn't go fishing but you know we do want harvest too. harvest they don't want to the dnr doesn't want to totally eliminate people from harvesting fish uh it's a part and part of keeping balance in the ecosystem uh but at the same time they have reevaluated some of these limits over the years 
and have figured out through science uh, that it's best for the lakes and best for what the anglers want. Yeah, I mean, it's finding the sweet spot and and then as anglers and as biologists having that patience now uh, to wait a few years before these things, you, you start to really see the the benefits of this. Life's all about balance, whether it's the lakes or your personal life. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Well, hey, you were over in uh, in Green Bay at a boat show, and before we went on the air, you were telling me about some of the things. I had no idea. There's uh, there's some big big doings in the boat world. We need to be aware of if we're in the in the boat market right now. That's absolutely true, Kevin. I'm I'm glad I have the opportunity to to share this with the listeners. Uh, but one thing a lot of people don't realize, just because of the situation that we've had with COVID throughout the world and lapses in production of, of materials and lapses of production at boat manufacturers, that it's really difficult, if not impossible, to order a custom 2021 boat. So a lot of the, the manufacturers are producing orders that have already come in, and they're for dealers. So what a dealer has and has coming in stock, that's what they get for the year. And so once they run out, they're gone. And um, it was interesting as I was out in Green Bay that a lot of people didn't realize this, and then there were a lot of people that did. And those were the people that were in the market to buy a new boat and were buying it immediately, understanding that if I wait, I might not get the size I want, the color I want, the horsepower I want, some of the options and accessories. And because they're not taking 2021 orders, some consumers are saying, well, just let me order a 2022 boat. But that's impossible because the pricing hasn't been set on those boats because the manufacturers don't know uh, the cost of materials or if they're even going to be available. So it's really a unique situation. Um, You're not going to see as much fluctuation of, of pricing on the boats. But I will tell you this, the dealers, they still want to make it appealing to you. Uh, you know, they're not going to gouge you or anything, uh, but you're not going to see where, uh, you know, the dealer is, is sitting on, you know, 50 boats that they're trying to get rid of and are going to cut to a bargain basement price. Those boats are going to go fast. You're going to see a similar uh, trend as you saw with, with wheel fish houses this year, where it's really difficult to get them, especially as we get into the season. So if you want to get a boat, if you're thinking about buying a new boat this year, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I would get to a dealer as soon as you can and and get that boat uh, uh, purchased and getting ready so you're ready for opener in the spring season. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, as a consumer, these boat dealerships, and there's several of them in Bemidji, they've got lots of space. You go in there, you wear your mask, you've got plenty of space to talk to the sales personnel um, and it's a nice warm environment too on these super cold days. It's a great place to go to just go and peruse the boats and some of the new accessories that they have coming out. Um, and then if you're not planning to buy a boat, if you're going to use the one that you've had for a while, but you've got a couple things that you want to remedy, uh, something that's broken in your boat, you're going to want to get those to your dealer as soon as you can because they are busier than busy. You know, it's uh, really interesting, you know, when you think about it, uh, as many uh, immediate impacts as we felt this last year, now we're going to start to see some longer-term impacts of of a quarantine and a shutdown, like you say. The stuff wasn't produced last year, and we don't know how quickly they're going to be able to ramp up and produce by next year or the year after. So 
Yeah, we're going to live in this uh, kind of netherworld for a little while longer yet. It's definitely a trickle-down effect, and some of what we can't even predict, and you want to put your finger on one thing, well, you know, you can't get this because they're not producing this because this was shut down, but sometimes that that, that chain is several links long, and it's not just one simple thing that can be corrected. So definitely plan ahead. And if this was the year you needed to vote, <laughs> this is not the year to wait for the best deal, it doesn't sound like. Yeah, and the other thing is I definitely wouldn't sell your boat. If you're thinking of selling it privately, uh, I wouldn't sell it until you know for sure that you've got one secured. Otherwise, you might be sitting out the season. Oof. Okay, yeah. Good to think about. Hey, do you as a do you as a guide do you ice ice guide or do you just do it uh, as a fun thing? No, I definitely take people out on the ice and we okay. get to do uh, you know a lot of fun adventures. Um, it's not simply renting a house for me. We don't have anybody really in the Park Rapids area that does house rentals, but we'll venture out and uh, set up portables if it's really cold. Or what I like the most is when we can fish open ice. Uh, tomorrow, if you kind of want to see one of our adventures tomorrow night, or I should say Wednesday night, whenever this airs, uh, Jason Rylander, Bemidji guy, who's a uh, regular on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, he and I are going to be live on the ice on Facebook, 7 o'clock p.m. You can find that through the Clam Outdoors Facebook page. And we're going to be talking eel pout tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to see if we can maybe... Uh, Yank a couple of these out of the depths of one of the local lakes, hopefully. Um, but we'll be talking about it nonetheless, and it's sure to be a good time, so we hope that you join us there. Very cool. And uh, if we want to do a nice trip with you or get set up for next summer, uh, how do we go about doing that? You can always find me on my cell phone, which is area code 218-252-2278, or you can find me on social media, Instagram and Facebook. It's Jason Durham. Or you can just do a simple Google search, Park Rapids Area Fishing Guides. You're going to find Go Fish Guide Service. And I'll tell you honestly, even if you don't find me, the other guides that are in the Park Rapids area are absolutely phenomenal. you got Isaiah Hahn, TJ Erickson, Jeremy Anderson, AJ Pabst. We just have a slew of really talented, patient anglers to get you out either on the ice or the open water. Man, myth, and legend, Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service joining me today. Jason, as always, we love having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time today, and good luck with the eel pout. Hey, thanks, Kev. We're going to see what we can do. That's it for this week. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by Clearbrook Electric, Timberline Sporting Convenience in Black Duck, Pepsi Nye Bottling of Bemidji, Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes in Bemidji, Ace on the Lake on Lake Bemidji's South Shore, and DS Beverages, your Anheuser-Busch distributor in Paul Bunyan Country. Have a great week. It's warming up. Enjoy the outdoors.